four um, of Brickfield Lab on Air, bringing it to you every Friday. Um, now, obviously, for some reason, Crowdcast has made it super confusing to actually invite people onto screen, uh, and I can't get Claire Bush on uh, for some reason. Um, uh, something to do with, I don't know, her change of role or something is like you're either a speaker or a co-host or a moderator or whatever it is. Uh, but for whatever reason, um, those functions seem to have different permissions. Uh, so don't understand that. Um, let me just um, make Claire an attendee again and see whether that helps at all. You know what, Michael? I think they are messing with us. Um, it's, it's, you know what? These are just teething problems. But I think this is an example of over-engineering the product um, because basically you don't need to become Zoom. Like the reason why Crowdcast is a superior live streaming platform to Zoom is because it doesn't have this kind of confusion. Um, everyone should be able to be defaulted so that they can be invited on screen. Um, there shouldn't be any permissions that are different between different roles. Um, that isn't confusing. Um, so, um, so yeah, anyway, um, a little bit of an annoyance, uh, but we'll crack on as best we can. Uh, folks, let me just test whether we can hear each other okay. I just want to check whether audio is fine. Oh, my God, there she is. Claire hey, hey. Oh, that was a bit traumatic. Pretty easy, isn't it? Just like she's an attendee. So why was she <laughs> an attendee, but she was defaulted to something else? I um, um if for everybody else who's trying to get on, I logged back out and then went through the link in the email that Hung sent us. So. It's not, not nothing to do with you, Claire. It's like literally you were you were you, I wonder whether it's because you maybe you are on Crowdcast on a different show or something. Um <laughs> and you might have just residually carried a a, a permission across to here because everyone else is in, it doesn't have a choice everyone else is like literally yeah. an attendee so um so yeah sorry for the slight delay folks uh but anyway a bit of excitement to start friday hey um a, a quick test on sort of audio visual so i want to make sure everyone can hear us okay uh, let us know whether you can uh, hear us uh, fine on crowdcast let me know in the chat um we should be broadcasting this all over linkedin so uh this should be going live on my linkedin which i can see that's okay uh this should be out on even alan walker barry flack um juliana park even uh we've got tons of people i think rob walker is always broadcasting this as well so if you can hear us on all of those linkedins let me know in the comment thread where you're seeing it um and we'll give you a big thumbs up and we'll know that we're okay um okay audio is great thank you tammy that's the enthusiasm we like to see not good great um okay uh quick thanks to our sponsors by the way we always need uh to thank our sponsors for this show uh, every week there's a company that steps up and says i want to make sure that bring through life continues on this relentless friday every friday this week We've got Symphony Talent, folks. Um, if you haven't heard of Symphony Talent, you really should. Uh, you need to really check them out for a kind of full-service recruitment, talent attraction, recruitment marketing type of play. Um, they are symphonytalent.com. Uh, they've got a really nice uh, rebrand, actually, a couple of months or so ago. You should check them out here. I'm going to share the link in the chat stream. Um, go ahead. If you think you need a refresh on what you're saying uh, or your online communications, check out Symphony Talent. Um, okay, cool. Uh, I have to welcome Claire Bush on screen. So good to see you, Claire. Thanks for being patient offline and all the rest of it. And how was your night last night? Because uh, we amazing, yeah, really cool actually. And big thanks to Vinette and the team over at Flexa for inviting me um, down. It was 
it was a really interesting conversation, but also as well, it ties really nicely into the stuff that was talked about at the beginning of the week with um, the evolution of work from home. So we were talking about the hybrid um, uh, office policy, all that sort of stuff. How do you bring people back into the office? Why would you want to? Why do they not want to come in? All of that gorgeous stuff. So yeah, really, really good conversation. Do you know what we had? Because Claire and I were actually meant to be meeting, but we, we had two competing events at exactly the same time. And I went to one and Claire went to another. So, so we ships in the night. Uh, but I actually had a really similar conversation. So I think we're going we're gonna to have to bring back the, the high, like where are we with hybrid and remote? Because yeah. um, I think it's a different uh, concept now than it was 12 months or so ago. Oh, absolutely. Um, Huge considerations. Got, yeah. Big, big, big things. Different sentiments now. I think everyone is a little bit more confident to say, actually, this works and that doesn't, or that works and this doesn't. Um, yep. So, yeah, we'll, we'll probably go and do another one of those in August. I'm planning August after today. Uh, so hopefully we'll get next week. We'll have the schedule sorted. I suspect remote working will be one of those. Anyway, Claire, why don't you quickly introduce yourself for the folks who don't know you. Who are you? What it is you do? Um, right. So I'm Claire Bush. I am a fractional CMO. So I get the lovely joyous job of also kind of hanging out with the conversation just coming up. Um, I've been in around the recruitment and talent space now for feels like hundreds of years but um i am also a founder of a brand new business called career six it's a career site technology platform um that's just out of the blocks so yeah we're going to be working busy working on that over the summer to bring to everybody through the autumn super exciting fantastic stuff claire and great that you're actually like practicing this style of work because you know, let's get practitioners on to talk about this. I think it's it's a term that we've suddenly become used to over time, um, but it's, it's starting to seep into the, the HR consciousness as to what this is, even though there's still some debate as to what it is from a definition point of view. So hopefully today we can kind of crystallize it a little bit and make sure we understand exactly where we sit with this. Anyway, let's quickly review the newsletter, Claire. Did you read it last week? And if so, what was interesting about it? I got totally sucked into the first one, to be honest. I was all about the conversation around AI and automation. Really, really great perspectives. And having studied relationship marketing way back when, I felt that there were so many really great threads that make everything that I've been, I learned 100 years ago, kind of really relevant again for today in terms of business, strategy, concepts. And I just got, I got to remembering like the real basics things. So, you know, you've got Maslow's hierarchy of needs in terms of business strategy. You've got the um, storming, norming, performing team kind of threads that you can use in the theories. But then also as well, just thinking back to the basics, you've got businesses with people in it, people with intelligence and experience, people who just have ambition and want to evolve and innovate. So bring them together, have that conversation internally, figure out as a team where and how automation technology can innovate your business. And I think that's got to be the starting point, right? It's got to be like, let's do it together. Let's bring it all together. I'd be very interested to know from the crowd whether anybody's actually attempted this, um, because um, I think you're right, Claire, M most things that you look at with, with how I see AI and HR in companies today is that it's usually there's no strategy. It's just individual people, just, you know, experiment, individual experimentation on their own initiative. That's currently where I think most companies are. 
Um, and then you might have a second category of companies that do have a plan, but they're not articulating it to everyone else. Mm. They're just like, okay, we're going to cook this up and then we're going to have the plan and everyone's going to roll through. Is anybody doing like a proper, hey, everybody, let's talk about it? In the same way, for instance, that maybe 12, 18 months or so ago, we did a lot of that with the DE and I and stuff, you know, where it was an open forum, everyone could contribute, no one's going to direct uh, the situation. It was all like, okay, we need to just surface this up. Maybe similar to how uh, a certain cultural, you know, value definition processes work, where it's not just the C level going away on a, on a, on a on an offsite and then coming back with a bunch of values, but you're actually like talking to the uh, the entire audience and getting all of them to get involved. Audience, I mean, sort of employees and having them contribute actively to what the policy yeah. should be. Um, so yeah, also, it's relevant. I mean, I think think tanks are something that used to be really popular but actually having a sort of strategic ERG that comes together that's got perspective and also can then to sort of help to create that strategy I think we've got strength in numbers if if everybody feels involved you'll have better momentum you'll have better um, resonance and you'll also have much better understanding of the direction of travel and you won't get stumped then when something new crops up. So, you know, everybody's, right. oh, my God, brain blow, because, you know, ChatGPT is here, and it's like, oh, my God, it's not going anywhere. But if you can kind of go, actually, yeah, that technology or that evolution of how we use that technology is part of our game plan and our roadmap, then it's not a scary thing, and you don't get any Joe reactions. Yeah, I think so. I think that's a big part of what we do. And by the way, I've just shared the link to one of the posts in last week's, probably the first post, actually, which is yeah. by Ben Evans. Uh, he's a guy totally worth following, by the way. Um, he, a VC guy, uh, he lives in the UK, but he's a very acute observer uh, and, and communicator on, I think, you know, where technology and society kind of interface. So I'm a big fan of his. Go and make sure you read that uh, blog and, and go ahead and follow his newsletter. Okay, give us a couple more, uh, uh, Claire. Right, so then I got really excited about my LinkedIn profile because, wow, have we gone back in time? Is, is keyword jamming something that we need to be doing? And I was thinking, actually, I don't think I did that in the first place. Um, so maybe I shouldn't go back and rewrite my entire you know, LinkedIn profile and just put the words recruitment marketing a hundred times in there. Um, but interested to see what's happened since um, that whole thing is sort of, because LinkedIn do this all the time, don't they? They throw a spanner in the works. Everybody again has a bit of a moment. What, what happens afterwards? Has this settled down? Has it affected anybody? I was going to say, that's a question to you in the audience, folks. Um, has link, has your link engagement on your LinkedIn posts declined over the last couple of months? So have you noticed basically less engagements, less likes and so on? Um, let me know, because I personally haven't, but I wonder whether I might be just an aberrant user because I've got like such a, a large network, you know, um, so, so maybe I don't see it as much as other people because it's just a, the, 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 <laughs> it's a Zerg swarm out there, you know, someone's going to see it. Um, so, um, so yeah, have you had sort of a discernible experience where, you know, a post that might get 10,000 views at one point, suddenly getting 2,000 views, what is going on? It looks as if there's been a big shift in terms of how LinkedIn kind of operate their newsfeed algorithm. And what's very interesting is that it seems to try and correlate what you've put on your profile with what you post uh, as, a, mm. as an update. So I just suggested, hey, does that mean we have to just keyword stuff our profiles? I think you probably do. I mean, uh, like, why, why is it going back to our profiles? 
Hashtag um, everything that you feel, feel is relevant is has been my kind of order of play for the last couple of months. Hmm. And also as well, like, you know, I think those sort of fundamental rules of um, like what you read, and if you do, you know, and also comment as well on other people's posts, those kind of feel things feel like we're keeping those conversations alive. I'm sorry, Martin, I haven't seen any of your posts lately. Otherwise, I would have definitely engaged with them as well. Um, that's, that's, a, that's a chicken and egg. Um, because yeah. if you don't engage in someone's post, you're less likely to see them next time around. Um, and so it's one of those where I think, Claire, you're totally right. If you read something, you do like it or even dislike it, it's worth you signaling something um, to that thing um, simply because, you know, it's at least stimulated you to have some sort of... Uh, opinion on it um and it means that you're more likely to see that person's post so if you've enjoyed it sort of in the first clay pace you've got a, a, a chance to get it again um and it probably helps you as well because that that person on the other side is likely to see your thing as well so not just posting it's also about engaging by the way we've got none other than andy foot coming to the show um first uh, uh week in august he's going to be doing an update for us he was just andy on his own like he's one of the few people i would uh kind of put on on screen without panel because he's worth just listening to for the 60 minutes or so so uh, make sure you follow the channel if you want to hear from andy okay one more claire before we dive into this um well i was going to talk about that evolution of work from home piece as well because that tied really nicely into the flexa dinner that i had mm. last night but I think the other thing that really stood out for me was the creator economy post. And I was really kind of like, oh, oh shit, where's it gone? You know, because as a creative, although I work in a very, I suppose, haphazard kind of creative way, it does feel like actually we're just refining the level of creativity as opposed to, you know, kind of putting out stuff, 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 stuff. Um, I think we're in that world of where all of the segments are kind of homogenizing and then we're starting to see different kind of behaviors and patterns that come out of that. That's very interesting. Oh, by the way, we've got a few comments from uh, from Antonio there. An Antonio is looking for a fractional CEO in the next coming months. So fantastic wow. that we're having this conversation. By the way, Antonio, I assume that this means that I mean, did you come up with the idea or, or did the, your CEO say, hey, we don't need someone like full time on this? Um, uh, let me know in the comments on that, because I also want to understand how do these roles get created? Uh, are they uh, are they, for instance, negotiated by the worker, like the workers basically refusing to do something full time? Or is it something that's like intentionally created by the employer to say, you know what, a CFO is a type of role that maybe you don't need somebody sitting there five days a week, 40 hours a, uh, 40 hours a week. You need that person on call. So, okay, I'd uh, be interested to know how those things get created. Um, Akbar, thank you. Uh, rules are kind of. So it's interesting to, to see people's attitude, but it looks like some people actually have endorsed, like tacitly endorsed LinkedIn's changes because maybe it's actually leading to a more positive experience online. I don't know. Um, uh, like I say, I've not necessarily been visible to it as well, but we'll wait for Andy to give us a, a bit of uh, a bit of understanding there. Okay, cool. Um, I just want to do a shout out to my my Claire name twin. Um, so we've reconnected um, for the first time, met in person, another Claire without an E, which was epic for me. Um, I suppose there's not that many hungs around that you kind of... No, there's loads. <laughs> I actually created a LinkedIn group um, called People Call Hung. Um, really? and, yeah, it, that's awesome. Maybe Claire, that's three, what we need to do. 
Three, need to three people signed up to people call Hong, even though I know it's like super common name. Not not it's not a real name. It's obviously Anglicanizations of it. But there's loads of people in Asia with that type of sound, and yeah. so they would they, they would also be called Hong. Uh, so anyway, I think three people signed up to it, and then I closed the group because it was kind of horrifying to imagine an army of hungs out there um all right uh, let's get on with this um we're going to bring on some guests we'll talk this through who have we got um i think we have can i finally i tell you what i'm gonna bitch about um crowdcast again um like you, you literally can't alan's find people here alan's definitely all right there. i can see i think i saw leah earlier leah sharma if you can yep. hear this can you just comment on the on the crowdcast thread so i can find you in order to pull you on screen because right now it's like I, I literally can't identify anybody with these. Like, are you seeing the same thing, Claire, as me? Um, yeah, I can only see um, little. Uh, Leah's there. She's just popped up in the chat. Right, Barry, you need to do the same, mate. Can you do that? Yeah, and Barry as well. Yeah, they're all three now in the chat. That's How awesome. ridiculous! So uh, this this is actually a, an example of. Um, I hope the crowdcasts are looking at this because we should just we'll let let them know for sure. Yeah, like why? Why are they making it hard for people on screen? I think what it is, Hung, you've got so many people registered, and you've got so many people interested in actually live with us as well today that that list is so hard to navigate whilst you're going live. It's um, actually operation. not that big. I mean, there's only what less than hundred people watching this, um, so it it it's, it shouldn't be that hard. There's Leah. Hello. How are you, Leah? Good to see I'm you. I'm good. I thought Teams was bad, but this is my first time using Crowdcast and it feels even worse. Crowdcast was amazing, but I think because they're worried about Teams and Zoom, they've just copied the worst features of those products yeah. um, and they've made it more complicated to do simple things. Um, anyway, Leah, for the people who don't know you, can you quickly introduce yourself? Who are you? What it is you do? Yes, of course. Um, hello, I'm Leah. Um, I am, well, fractional head of talent. <laughs> um, I'm based in Surrey in England. Um, I've been in recruiting for 11 plus years, I think. Mainly tech um, hiring is kind of my forte. Um, recently just moved back from Amsterdam. Actually, I was there for the last six years uh, working for different tech companies and now back home in, in England. Great. Welcome to the show, Leah, your debut. Uh, we have Alan Walker here as well. Fantastic. Uh, Alan, great to see you. Um, yeah, you can too. You quickly, can you quickly introduce yourself? Who are you? What it is you do? Yeah, Alan Walker, uh, co-founder or fractional founder of um, Udder, HR tech consulting firm. Great stuff. And Barry has finally made it. There he is. Barry looking like a cyborg. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> what's that? What's happening with that? Um, what is it? It's like it's like Jean Luc Picard when he got took over by the bog. Um, <laughs> right. um, Barry, quick, quickly introduce yourself. Who are you? What it is you do? Okay, I'm Barry Clark. I am fractional HR executive uh, extraordinaire, uh, based in the UK. Uh, industry veteran could take up the rest of your program going through all of that. <laughs> Amazing. Barry, I have to say the audio from your side sounds really strange. Um, like you sound as if you're calling in. From Is a, that not a, just a, me? No. Yeah, it's it your accent, like, Barry. Barry, it sounds like you're calling in from an aircraft from 40,000 feet. Um, uh, is there a way can you can fiddle with that? Mate? It's not. It's basically, it's basically you. Have a fiddle with it, mate. Let me know what, what you can do. Um, all right. Let's go with uh, you firstly, uh, Leah. Um, uh, fractional, you, uh, like, was this the first fractional job you, you, you you're doing the job now, as I understand, 
You've called yourself a fractional TA person. Um, why do you, why have you accepted that label and why, why is this different from, let's say, a part-time job uh, that maybe uh, some people out there looking at this thing, it's just a part-time job. So how is it different? Yeah, good question. So I'm relatively new to the fractional world um, and I thought it was also a fairly new concept, but actually it appears it's existed for a very long time, but it's suddenly become a big hot topic. Um, so I very recently moved into this and my situation is that I work for two different companies. A fraction of my week is divided between them. So two days I work for a fintech startup called Sequence and three days I work for a um, digital banking app called Pocket. Um, so, I mean, everybody has kind of a different take on what fractional means. I don't think it's set in stone. I think it's up to kind of, you know, your own take on it as to what it means. Um, for me, it, it literally means kind of spending a fraction of my time with each of those companies. How it's different to being a contractor, freelancer or interim person is that um, interim, again, my view on it, is you would tend to work for one company for a set period of time. Um, and therefore, you're going in to help them with whatever that might be. And it's kind of a set defined time. Uh, a freelancer is someone who kind of works on multiple projects and they kind of decide how much time they spend on that project when they're working on that project. And they could be working on however many in a week and they will charge based on how much time they've spent on it. Um, fractional is what I see differently is that I spend full days with those companies for X amount a week. Um, and I will work over those core hours. So uh, Monday and Wednesday, I'm with Sequence. I'm with them for two full days. And then the other company, three full days. So I, I make sure I'm there and available for those core hours as opposed to kind of working in the background. So I'm still seen. I'm still part of like teams when I need to be. I'm still kind of in meetings, et cetera. Um, but yeah, this is relatively new to me. I've only started doing this in the last couple of months. Um, and as I started doing it, as anything, you see a bus and then suddenly you see many, many more. Um, I've suddenly found that actually, yeah, there's a lot of people kind of in the same um, area as me. Fantastic. I mean, wasn't that a, a wonderful um, breakdown? I think that's really good to crystallize <laughs> some of these differences because a lot of people might just be thinking, right, it's full time and then everything else is, you know, not full time. Mm -hmm. But actually, we need to have a more crystallized definition because there's significant like implications to this. So, for instance, you're talking about actually getting two, you're on two payrolls, I guess. Um, so, uh, yeah, how is that? Working? Again, that's kind of, I think, where it can vary between different people. So um, again, everyone's situation is different, so it really varies, but I already worked for Sequence. Um, company changed with the macro environment and we weren't hiring as much, therefore my role wasn't needed full-time any longer. And again, this is where Fractional is now starting to come up more, where there's not a need for someone full-time. Uh, so them, I, I am permanent, but then for the other company, I, I'm at actually my own limited company. Um, because again, I'm there yeah. for kind of a set period of time. I'm not permanent. Um, so I, I'm working with them for a set period, set number of days per week. Yeah, very, very good. Um, thank you, Hilia. Uh, Barry, I'm going to go to you, mate, um, simply because you've returned to humanity now that we've, <laughs> we've got you off the bog. Um, and, but you've been banging on about fractional because obviously you've decided that's going to be your, your domain. Um, so let's hear it from you. Like, 
how would you how what's your thoughts on Lee's definition there? How would you kind of uh, embellish on that and, and what's your experience of, of, of doing the work uh, yourself? So let, uh, am I understood in my BBC Northern Ireland voice now? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yep. gone. Yeah, yeah, it's better. Um, look, I've been doing um, fractional and I didn't know it since probably late 2018. Um, look, I think with Leah, look, Leah's explanation was terrific. Um, I think being a bit more crystallized, the difference, I think, is a very clear, you know, we are with you as a, a sourcing option for organizations, um, but we're solving a couple of other problems. And let's be explicit about it. You're getting professional, senior experience, technical, at a price that you wouldn't uh, previously afforded because you would have hired that person uh, or not, as it would have been beyond you. So I do a part of what Leah says, look, you know, I go in, limited company, I offer myself up, I offer the fractional, which is a choice the company has made instead of the permanent hire. Yeah, mm -hmm. it is a sourcing budget that is unlike the old freelance. And I was a, I was a, a, a teenage freelance interim from about decades ago. So I've been doing that for years. That one, I'm coming in, you've got a project, do it and go. Yeah, or interim, you know, God, it's going to take us six months, come in, stop the place from going under. This one is, I'm fixed with you. Yeah, you're in, you're my expertise, you're small, beautifully formed, you can afford to take in the resource rather than pay for the fully loaded cost of somebody who might have a, a different profile without mm. being pejorative, but I'd say lower, but a different yeah. profile. Mm. Um, but you're with me and it's continuous and I go up and I go down and I work everything between one day to three day uh, on and with that client until mm. such times as circumstances might change. And I think that's how it's going to evolve. But ultimately I come in, um, you own me in a slightly different way. I've got to be careful the tax man's not watching today. But ultimately, you know, we've got that broader categorization issue that always exists. But, you know, we're offering something up that's very different to those freelancing. It's not part time per se. Uh, I know that's coming up in the comments where people mention, look, you know, you do what you do, but you're only a part timer. It's not. You come in, you own it, you drive the strategy, you get your hands dirty, uh, you do lots of interesting stuff, and you swallow up. The realization on the other end of the equation, hun, which is that five days a week, full timers are frankly underproductive, lazy sods who don't work the full whack. Yeah, well, take that to the bank. Oh, there you go. This is why oh. Barry Flack needs his own show, folks. I don't know why he's on Brain Food Live. He needs to be his own media personality with or without the cybernetics. Um, but thank you so much, Barry. I, I think, I mean, I totally get some of the comments on thread and I get it um, because we're trying to uh, kind of unpack this and why it is different. Perhaps it is semantics. We're going to go and talk through that. Uh, maybe it is. I mean, certainly there's overlap in terms of what this means. But I think there's a few things that do kind of make it feel a bit different. Um, firstly, I would suggest it's the seniority of the role seems yeah. to be one of the factors. So part-time, 
traditionally was relegated to quite an insignificant role in business because the perception was actually if the person is not there for 50, 60 hours a week, mm. that cannot be a serious C-level person. But in fact, if you go on LinkedIn and search for fractional, you actually see a lot of C-level people doing it. Yeah. Um, so it's the seniority that's gone part-time and maybe that's uh, worthy of a semantic shift because it might mean it's different. Um, and secondly, Barry and Leah both mentioned it's a persistency over time. So mm-hmm. it's it's an indefinite engagement. Uh, it isn't a case to say, actually, here, Barry, I got an implementation in and finish and out. No, it's like we actually need this function and we're going to always need this function. And we'd mm-hmm. like you to do it for this amount of time r- per week rather than so there's no cap on it. So it's in effect a permanent job, um, but it's done so in a way where and there's different drivers, for instance. I think Leah and Barry both mentioned this. Uh, it could be cost saving. It could be just a t- a interest in flexibility, or perhaps an attempt to secure a higher, higher, a higher skill person at fundamentally a lower budget. So if you're going to spend a hundred units of your money, would you rather have a medium experienced person at 40 hours a week, or would you want a super expert at 20 hours a week? I think a lot of people would make that trade, you know? So um, very, very interesting. Uh, Okay, Um, let's go to you, Claire, because you come in and you're you're co-host here, of course, but your role also is to uh, volunteer your own experience in this. And as a CMO, person who's worked at a senior level in the marketing function, uh, you've had some experience of working in this fractional way. How would you describe it? Where does it differ from your interpretation compared to Barry's and Leah's? I think for me, it's more of a put, it's more of a choice as well in terms of the type of work that I want to do, right? So um, having been around for a long time, I've done every type of role across the marketing spectrum and knowing and understanding the shortcuts for things like go-to-market strategy or um, creating campaigns or taking and refreshing a brand from sort of concept to, to activation. All of those workflows are something that is just ingrained in the way that I think. But actually being able to strategically go, this is a plan, this is how we need to see this end to end, and then orchestrate maneuvers is the way that I want to operate. So for me, choice around, like Barry mentioned, that senior level, fast thinking and high impact, but I can do it at a fraction of the time it would take someone who's new into a mid-management management role. So I can detail everything at a fraction of time handhold and mentor and manage which means that the ip the intelligence and the experience stays within the organizations that i support i'm not like a freelancer who would just come in get the job done drop the product on the table and then leg it it means that everything starts to build within and that that intelligence and that kind of motivation for growth is what I really want to give back as well. So that's how I emotionally attach myself to the businesses that I work with. And then I think as well, it's more of a, I think it's more that you can do more being fractionally. So I I work in a very similar environment. Lots of my clients are either in recruitment or they're in talent. And there's a commonality of the type of organizations that I work with. They're not directly competing, so I've got no kind of competes in terms of I'm doing this and I'm doing the same over there. But they all add to each other. So as much as I am fractionally in this headspace today and somewhere else tomorrow, Mm -hmm. combined they get the benefit of me 
pushing forward all the time in the same space. Mm -hmm. I'm always leveling up. I'm learning from them, but they're learning twice as much from me because I've got the collective as well. Does that make sense? It does make sense. And we've got a lot of interesting things to percolate on. Um, Gavin, I want you to ask that question in the, in the, in the question function, if you can, just because I think it's a very important one. We want to get to it. What does the compensation look like? So folks, if you're watching this on Crowdcast, can you use the, the, the question feature? I think it should on the right hand sidebar. If you've got any questions on this topic, put it in there. If you're watching it wherever on LinkedIn, just put it in the comment thread. I've actually got a, an aggregator of comments, uh, that I've implemented so I can actually see this stuff. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I can therefore respond. So uh, put your uh, questions into those comments and we'll be able to get to them. Um, okay, let's go to you, Alan. Um, it's, it sounds to me, cynic hat on, right? Cynic hat on. Sorry to the folks who spoke uh, uh, so far, but let's adopt uh, some of the critics that, uh, uh, let's channel my Lee Candiotti on this. Um, I want to say, right, isn't fractional work um, attempt to evade operational delivery? Alan Walker. That might be might be a little harsh, but the Joe I made a joke earlier to Jeremy, my co-founder, the difference between a fractional worker and a part-time worker who has multiple part-time jobs is an extra zero on their pay slip. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, I don't really see much of a fundamental difference. They're both doing multiple jobs for multiple companies and committing a certain amount of time a week to them. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not criticizing. I'm just thinking back to your point, Hong, semantics. It's a it's a Word that perhaps differentiates senior people who do mm. bring something different to the table. Uh, but actually, in terms of the taxonomy of the of kind of work, you know, you've got part-time, full-time, contractors, interims, blah, 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 blah. It's just another one to throw in there. Mm. It's a type of engagement. I think it's a good way, though, of, of, um, of compartmentalising people like Barry, people like Claire, people like Leah, Leah, sorry, mm. who, um, who bring something a little bit different to mm. the table and bring that, you're not just buying their time, you're buying their 10, 15, 20 years of experience that they're bringing along. Yeah. And buying a frac- buying it fractionally means you get that, that senior headspace in your team without them to pay for it full time. So there's absolutely value in it, without a doubt. I just get a little bit, I'm just a little bit of a skeptic about wanky new words. And I think it is a wanky new word to a certain degree. This is a this is a safe for children uh, broadcast. Um, <laughs> Alan, that. So, right, okay. You know, Correct we don't it. need to scrub this up. Uh, all right. Um, the so that's actually a really interesting point. There's always going to be a bit of toing and froing. And by the way, sometimes when new new terms are coined, it's because the the, the, the there's an attempt to reposition it or move the status of it. We've seen it in recruiting, right? Previously, we're all recruiters. Then we're talent acquisition people, um, and then we're something else. So I, I, it's not an unusual thing to have new coinage. Um, when we're trying to elevate status, so perhaps this mm-hmm. is an attempt to do so. Um, Elizabeth in the, in the in one of the LinkedIn's has said very very um, clearly that actually it's an attempt to remove yourself from the, the concept of part time being partial effort. Um, mm-hmm. So in other words, it yeah. seemed to be a diminished type of role part time. I mean, does anyone get promoted as a part timer? Probably not back in the day. Um, and so okay. Mm-hmm. Maybe there is a need for a new term in order to re- help uh, sort of the negotiation side. Mm-hmm. Um, but it might be more substantive. I mean, some people are even saying here, Stephen Halpern is saying, look, there's even like um, a, a fractional CEO. I mean, I'd love to see a job advert for mm-hmm. that. So if you have that, Stephen, send it over to me or put another comment in. Um, I'd like to share that with the crowd because I think that's an interesting thing to observe. Uh, go ahead, Claire. Exactly, that's exactly how I'm trying to launch career six and and actually 
with my co-founders, we've all got other things. Mm. So that whole kind of element of how do I fractionally take a business to market mm. at the same time as serving my clients that I've got, you know, a real vested interest in because mm. they came first. And I think that's the other thing as well around gathering projects. I don't know if anybody's put it in the comments yet or even how do we go and pick up new businesses or new clients in this fractional capacity? Because actually that's been one of the most interesting and eye-opening conversations mm -hmm. I've been having in the last six months. So it's kind of coming back out, moving from a portfolio and consultancy kind of role to mm -hmm. actually fractional and being very specific about the fact that I want to be fractional and these are the types of companies I want to work for and I can give work to. Quickly, just the one thing, um, I think another feature of this is distinguishing it from, let's say, a consultant or a freelancer, yeah. is that there is a sense of belonging to that company. So in other words, you might update your LinkedIn to the effect, I am belonging to this company, and you're kind of connected to it. And of course, LinkedIn are trying to verify whether that's true or not by getting lots of people saying, yes, that's true. A, a freelancer typically would never do that. They'd say, hey, uh, this is my company. I'm delivering a service. You're not buying me. You're buying this service. I'm going to deliver the service. And so long as, you know, um, uh, uh, that is the contract of agreement and, you know, there's, there's no more you can expect from me. And in fact, yeah, a freelancer... As well, it happens massively. Um, so I'm, I'm fractional CMO with Thrive Recruitment Marketing. And every day we're all on Teams and we're saying mm -hmm. hi, we're checking in and everybody is present. And it's every day I'm there, whether mm. I'm working on Thrive Work or not, I still have that level of community. And I do with the other, other clients as well, kind of check in every day. So I think that's another differentiator as well, like you say, Han. It's really nice to have groups and communities mm. that you're doing all the time. There might I, also be a, a limit to how many you can do. That someone should ask that yeah. question in, in, in the Q and A. By the way, uh, certainly, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say. I think again, this is why it's kind of one of those ones that's open to interpretation because it can really be adapted based on kind of your situation. So, for example, me personally, in the last couple of years, I've worked with a lot of scale ups and startups where actually this works perfectly for them because maybe they don't have a hiring plan that's going over years and maybe they just have an immediate need. And, and for example, being head of talent, I'm really there for the strategy, the delivery, the implementation. I can get in, do that, and then move on to the next part. And so that's why it works quite well for my role and level. So again, I think there's quite a few different factors that distinguish it. It's the level, it's the type of companies that you're working and supporting, and it's what their actual needs are. Um, and that's kind of where it yeah, plays differently to some of those other interim contractors, etc. I want to make another observation before we uh, we take a mini break, but um, and I, and I think this is correct. Um, it may also be the case that with fractional work, the the the, the work itself may be like at that time fairly undefined. So in other words, we need to have the resource to do X. We know we need this person in, but there's not a fixed task list for this person mm -hmm. to do. I don't know what well, you know. This person is the expert pr providing this. Compared to a classic freelancer, there may be a brief, like you've written the brief, right? You've mm -hmm. told him you want this thing. Um, so it's also about the maturation of the work and how how define the tasks are. Maybe it's sort of a situation where you you, you got a hole somewhere, uh, but you, you don't know where the edges of that hole are. Uh, and this yeah. person needs to step in. Okay, folks, mini break. 
don't go away because the mini break is all about networking. It is all about making sure that everyone is fully connected as much as they can um, uh, that are interested in these conversations. Brave Through Live on Air is, of course, a conversation starting show. However, we do have to come off air, which means that obviously um, this conversation has a, a risk of coming to an end. We don't want that. We want the conversation to continue. Um, so please take this time. Grab your LinkedIn URL and just stick it in the comment thread wherever you're watching this. If you're watching this on Crowdcast, stick your LinkedIn URL in the chat stream. If you're watching this on any of the LinkedIn's, stick your LinkedIn URL in the comment thread and then make sure you connect with everyone else who does that. Um, every week this happens and I guarantee you every week there's people getting 20, 30, 40 connections for absolutely no cost, no issue um, uh, uh, and, and building up their network go ahead and talk to those people after this show is off air so that you can continue this conversation on fractional work. Antonio, for instance, you're coming in, you want to have some, you know, uh, crowdsourcing, you want to figure out what's what, guess what? Everyone who's watching this is thinking about the same thing. So go and speak to all those folks there. Okay, cool. How do we create a fractional job? Does this ha ha happen intentionally or is it as a result of circumstances as it was for Leah's case? Um, are there particular roles that actually uh, suit a fractional uh, sort of uh, design. Um, what do we think about this? Open it up to everybody. Just seeing Stephen in Stephen Rothberg in the um, chat, he said that there's nothing stopping them from hiring fractional people, but their payroll company, provider of payroll and benefits, needs the person to be employed for at least 30 mm -hmm. hours a week. Now, that's obviously got to be one of the starting points of figuring out how. How do you bring this expertise in-house, right? I think, so, uh, so what actually is, the, so there's going to be local jurisdictions which probably create the confusion, mm. add to the confusion and, and cause the, uh, 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 the the righteous contention um, because there's, there's going to be certain laws. It looks like in Stephen's case, um, a, an employee is a person that is 30 hours plus, right? I'm not sure what the law is in the UK or whatever that may be, but uh, but yeah, that's something we need to be aware of. So obviously you need to have some awareness of employment law in your company before you even think about this because it is at least new, it's experimental, it's going to be probably not ideally fitting in uh, to whatever uh, sort of design we have. So um, So be aware of the employment law before you think about the design. But let's say someone's covered that um how, how are these jobs created is there particular roles where this suits uh, any i mean this potentially we could advise companies on this like, uh, like any thoughts anyway yeah look i've um, i've had a couple of fractionals um probably easier because i'm a believer uh in and on and around it but look you know it's it's circumstantial i, I imagine mm -hmm. hung like i mean the context of your organization tends to drive a bit more creativity. Um, you're literally having the conversation that we had at the outset, which is, you know, with a with a budget of X, you can do one or other thing. Yeah. Now you've got to get yourself then sold on the fact that this person can operate inside the organization where you're not tied to presenteeism, where they've got to be there, uh, where the spike of work necessitates that it's at the life cycle of where you need to be, you know, a broad conversation. Or, and let's be honest, it's being driven on the supply side with people who are saying, I'm damn good, I know your industry, but you know what, this is where my lifestyle choice is at the moment. So we haven't mm -hmm. spoken about it from that side, but yeah, people who turn up and go, yeah, you'd want me, I'd be great, 
but you're getting me two days a week because I'm doing these other things. And yeah, whole, that uh, that sounds right, doesn't it? It it basically comes from supply more than more than uh, uh, sort of demand because I think yeah, mo most companies are still designing full time jobs. Obviously, I think when we you know think about oh, we have a vacancy, it's a full time job by default. Um, it's only when there's like critical emergency do we think oh my god, we need a contractor. Um, and but we we might be going ahead to hire a full time person and then encounter a great person we want. But that person doesn't want the full-time thing. And therefore, we say, oh, you know what? Let's, let's get Claire in for 20 hours. That, that's going to be better than, you know, cracking through, trying to trying to get someone we don't want for 40 hours, which I think, again, a deal most people would, would, would take. Um, any other thoughts about where these jobs emerge? Like, how are they created? Or do you know of any examples where someone actually has designed it and said, you know what? This job is not a full-time job. Never has been. Uh, should be fractional. I think that, for me, is definitely something that I see in the marketing world a lot in that marketing strategy isn't something that you need to be doing every day of the week. It's just the choice I, I like to play in that space. So actually in order for me to have a fulfilling career, I want to be just doing that. And so it's, it's more about educating and then also putting out your examples of the work that you're doing. And I think you mentioned it earlier on hung in that sense of belonging. You're talking about the work that you're doing. The more that all of us fractionally put out the mm -hmm. kind of, jazz hands and the great stories and show the success of what we're doing the more that it will become an obvious choice for mm -hmm. someone looking for those solutions yeah well, that's very interesting go ahead Leah I was going to say I agree I agree Claire I think um it is the education part like educating companies and like other leaders that this is a possibility I maybe wouldn't go as far as using the words that Barry used about full-time people being lazy but I think it really does show that you know give me two days or three days to do X and I can deliver because anybody who has a bit more pressure or time sensitivity on their hands is, is probably going to kind of get things done a bit quicker. So I think that plays into it as yeah. well. But that's why I think it also still feeds into kind of more senior profiles tend to do this because, you know, if you're sourcing for X number of roles, you're probably going to want as much time as you can to do that. But if it's more about kind of going behind the scenes and working with the leadership team and putting together all these different strategies, et cetera, you know, that, that can be done in a different way. Mm. Um, so that's why I think it does depend on on the role but for sure I think this is really now turning into an education thing and speaking to companies about did you realize this is an option like you originally said how like hire this amazing talent uh, for a fraction of the time um, and it's a bit more cost effective yep uh, and you know obviously uh, companies on budgets and stuff like this probably this will start becoming more popular simply because I'm sure a lot of people were being hired back in the day like in the glory era where there probably was only like 10 hours worth of value per, per month yeah. this person was going to give. But you know what? We can't hire him any other way. So let's give him a 40 hour a week contract and, you know, and then like feed other stuff for that person to do. I remember actually uh, sort of the, almost the last job I did, I felt this way in the sense there was like, um, uh, uh, there wasn't any, anything to do. Um, and I was getting fed really low, low value work. Uh, that I was happy to do because it was brain, you know, mind-numbingly nonsense. Mm. Um, but I was getting highly paid for it. And I was thinking, <laughs> what's happening here is that I'm sitting there costing this company money and they're just like, get them to do something. <laughs> you know what I mean? it's like push stuff. And you don't want that. You need to have a way to say, you know what, this person's really good at this. Don't push any of the, the other stuff to them. Um, just keep them at this point. So, okay, very good. Um, any other thoughts? Uh, Alan, you got anything to contribute to this 
side yeah, of it. No, I, think, the design I, I, of I was skeptical skept earlier about the the terminology, and I think I still still am. But I absolutely see the benefit of it as mm. a as a thing to do. Um, yeah, you know, let's say back to your point earlier, Hong. You mentioned having a hundred something, a hundred pounds to spend on on talent. Mm. Do you want to spend that hundred on one single senior person who, like you say, is going to spend eighty percent of their time doing non-strategic, non-senior stuff, or do you get five people in who all bring different value into different bits of the business? It might be marketing, it might be HR, it might be talent, it might be finance, it might be ops, and that in itself is a better way of spending the money. I think personally, you're bringing in that brains trust. Alan, you've cut your numbers wrong. Yeah, the, one, the, one, the, the 100 unit is about trying to justify that you'll get that one greater value for less than that 100 unit you would spend on a lower, more junior profile. Yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. that's ultimately what we're talking to here. Yeah, just saying to the organization at 1.5 times that salary, which is ultimately what you carry in your, you know, your balance sheet, um, is simply handed over to a unit cost to a fractional person on a daily basis that you don't own, that you can't get rid of, that you can have on demand, that has 20 years more experience, greater skill set, different way, and it's cheaper mm -hmm. than the 1.5 person. So your 100 is up there. You're going lower rather than dividing it down into the others. I mean, that, that's the value case. The SME population that lags who hire the template of the junior permanent person as the first hire, now has a choice of getting somebody who should be able to help grow their productivity and their growth a hell of a lot more than a junior transactional person. And yeah, I, think yeah, I, don't, I don't think we're entirely disagreeing. I think we might have said it in a different way, but I agree with you. Don't you disagree with me? With <laughs> <laughs> All right, very quickly, guys. Very quickly, I uh, just want to say, Nathan, very interesting observation by Nathan Wilson in the chat there. What about fractional work within the same organization? I guess a lot of people will say, yeah, I kind of do that anyway because, you know, I'm servicing, you know, just shared services. Typically, that's the way. But I think, is there a way where we can define it more? And by the way, the reason, and this is why, you know, yes, we've had, you know, critics uh, about the concept and so on. But the reason why I like, having this conversation about fractional work, because I think it helps us focus on like, what is a job? Why are all these tasks and responsibilities packaged up into a single role? And what fractional is all about is thinking, actually, can we, can we disaggregate some of these tasks? Because maybe it shouldn't be done by one person. And this actually supports Alan's uh, view, because there are cases where you have a super person uh, expert that ends up doing a lot of admin work and in fact, that person is a is a is a attrition risk because they don't want to do a lot of the the the, the, the you know the, the administrative stuff that isn't helping uh, or isn't stimulating their minds. So there's a way in which we can kind of think about this as the relationship between work and job uh, or tasks and job. Uh, and are we packaging them up in the right way? Um, and by the way, um, before we shift to questions, I think the shift to remote has really been a fertile fertilizer for fractional work. Because previously, when you're in in office, obviously you didn't have the options of working for another employer, right? It was like yeah. literally the proximity would prevent you from doing that. So um, we can't underestimate the impact of remote in making this more possible than it was before. Um, another point of this, by the way, it can go the other way where we go to overwork, where you kind of fraudulently end up working uh, for multiple employers without telling the other person. I remember having a conversation with my friend Ollie on this. Um, I think we separate fractional work from overwork by very simple rubric of fractional work being very explicit and honest. 
um, and everyone knows who, who you're working for. Um, whereas overwork, you've literally just taken on jobs and not told the other person. Um, and you may be, you know, fraudulently taking like multiple, uh, multiple salaries. Okay. We've got to move to questions, folks, because basically we're flying through this. Let's go Q&A. Anybody got any questions, put them into the Q&A. We're going to go to them now. Uh, if you are watching on LinkedIn, put them in the comments thread. We'll get to them as well. Okay, we've got this one from Stephen Rothberg. Let's go with him. Um, I typically see fractional uh, use to describe leaders who hold similar roles with other companies. Would your guests refer to someone as fractional if they were part-time hourly for a fast food restaurant? I personally wouldn't. I think it is about seniority, but what are your thoughts very quickly? Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's a value exchange. Like, what fraction of their value is coming back into each of the organisations? Um, no, well, well, fast food worker, would you call them fractional though? Um, so this no, goes to state. No, that's gig economy, isn't it? Yeah, well, they're fractional. I think that's the difference. Their labour, the amount of hours they can put into something. So it's still technically, <laughs> if we want to be asked about it, I, I get yeah, what you're saying. I, I get what Steve's saying, but the answer is no, Steve. Yeah. Um, let's go to let's go to Gavin. Gavin's saying, so does how does fractional comp work? This is really important. Um, so Leah, I think you've already described your situation. You are actually permanently, or shall we say, you're on a, a payroll on one company and there's LTD with the other company. So there is a kind of a, a, a if you like, a legal hierarchy or technical hierarchy where that belongs. Uh, Barry, how are you working right now? How is is it all going through one LTD or what? Yeah, look, they, they, they always are. I think the answer, you know, Gavin's question is, you know, back to that previous, uh, you are sizing yourself up in a predictable, you know, day rate over a month versus the combined costs of a permanent hire, one times five plus all the other costs that's going to go with it yeah. is, is why you would always argue to the CEO that you are cost effective against the permanent hire given the employment costs. Yeah, so basically so, you're charging. I, I suppose we can be flexible here, though, can't we? Because there's nothing stopping you from charging one number to an, to one company and charging another to another yeah. based on what you think you can get. Depends on the role. Yeah. 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 All right, cool. Let's move on. Um, we're talking about, okay, how is how much of fractional work is done remotely as opposed to in-house? I would say probably 99 to 100%, right? I mean, I've got a couple of clients that I go in and sit with because actually the role is about me being that senior leader and managing team. So mm. if I've got team and I've got people that I've got a duty of care mm. over, then I'll go in and spend time with them. Um, so yeah, that that it, it all depends on the job. Um, exactly. Yeah, depends. I'm fully remote, but it depends on. I could go in if I wanted to, but again, it comes down to personal preference, remote, hybrid, what what the role entails. Yeah. Imagine trying to do fractional work pre pre COVID. Like you'd be you you literally have to like ride a bike like a maniac and yeah. office to office or something, wouldn't you? I mean, you'd be very fit because um, you you'd be, have to manage multiple commutes. Crazy. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, let's go. Keep moving. Uh, we've got uh, another one from Gavin. Gavin saying, "Would fractional roles in the resume muddy your career tenure, and would it look bad for certain employers?" Let's be very serious here. What are your thoughts? Big shake of heads. Some, no. some some disagreement. Let's talk about this very quickly. Uh, let's not do the Indian head shake. We, we don't know what that is. Um, okay, Claire, uh, you, were, you, were not, you were shaking your head on this. Um, what, what's your thoughts? Um, I, I see it as no barrier at all. I actually see that it's an added value. I've then got more experience across a number of different businesses at any one time. So actually I'm being much more productive with my experience and application. 
there is a point to be made that working fractionally will give you multiple perspectives where you can actually absorb a lot more information mm -hmm. that could be helpful. That then can be a problem in terms of confidentiality, conflict of interest, etc. Uh, but that's another matter. Uh, Barry, you were were you shaking your head, nodding your head? No, no. Look, I'm, uh, I, I, I read that as the old trope that we put enormous value in people who stay around permanent jobs for a long time versus these bloody job hoppers who can't be trusted and are going to head <laughs> off. Yeah. A, a battle of the old recruitment model. Uh, look, I'd pick somebody getting accelerated development and experience over somebody yeah. sitting on their hands for three quarters of the week at certain times because yeah. of the yeah. context of the business rather than them. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Me. So lots of heads there nodding. So we don't think so is the, is the answer I believe. Um, okay. Let's keep going. Um, I would really love to hear your thoughts around how to avoid conflict of interest. Okay, thoughts on this. Uh, Alan, you got, a, got an idea on this? I guess it's the same when you're providing service. Well, I'm, I'm a service provider running a business. to send my thing. You just have to make sure they, they understand that you're going to treat the right things confidentially, but also the positive gains from actually working across multiple mm -hmm. clients as well. It's a, it's a trust thing as much as anything. And clearly, you can you can legislate, you can put stuff in place contractually, you can have NDAs in place, et cetera, et cetera. But in the main, it's a trust thing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Relationship driven. Um, Leah, I want to ask you this question because mm. you're doing a TA job for two companies. Mm. Is there not a scenario where that you encounter a candidate that could potentially be great for either or? Like, how do you play that as a clear conflict of interest, isn't it? Yeah. I, uh, at the moment, no, because their hiring needs are, are completely different. So there's not been a crossover, but I can see that happening. And I think I would just have to handle it in, yeah, a super non-biased confidential way and i would just whoever the company has applied which company the candidates applied to or sourced for that's the priority to the point that they no longer want them or they're not successful or whatever i would happily have a conversation but i wouldn't be sharing between the the two or three companies or whether you treat them separately and yeah you again it's all about based on the trust and and knowing who owns what I think if you're transparent, you might be able to parallel process them without without necessarily a problem. It, it reminds me a little bit of the show we did uh, a couple of months ago where we talked to a lot of VC recruiters. So yeah. the people who are working for VCs across a portfolio, like what do you do if you've got an amazing engineer and actually mm -hmm. it would be suitable for everyone in that company, uh, in that portfolio? What do you do? Parallel process them. Um, yeah. you say, hey, you're slightly different though, aren't you? When you're a VC like person sure. there, then you've kind of, it, it's very obvious you've got an added interest in all of those. Whereas for me, like I, I've got to support each of those companies separately. I'm not so much there for the candidate. I'm there for the company first of all as well. So I've got to kind of think about that way. But yeah, I think if you broached it and were open and honest, for sure, it's worth having a conversation. Yeah, it's it's probably one of the challenges, though, Ilya, you're quite right with that that question. Okay, final question uh, from Andrew. Uh, isn't fractional term we use for knowledge workers whilst we're happy to call skill workers uh, gig economy? So um, uh, would you, is that fair characterization? It's, it's basically kind of a class divide. Like we want to call middle class sort of white collar workers uh, fractional and we want to, you know, we don't want to call that for the person who is, uh, are doing a, a McDonald's job, let's say, and we're saying, you know what, that's a gig worker or that's, you know, uh, zero hours type person. So it is basically a social class. Uh, we've kind of reformulated social class labels uh, uh, to suit our own kind of uh, um, self-esteem, I guess. Thoughts on this? 
I'm not sure it's like the social divide, but I think it's more of a label of the type of work that we're doing. I'd, sure. I'd want to be PC about it, but at the same time, I'm like, you just said exactly what Hung said. <laughs> so. Are you are you outraged by 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 what Andrew's trying to impl- <laughs> sort of say? I don't think. He, uh, by the way, Andrew, I think he's he's, he's asked a fair question because mm. again, the purpose of this uh, show is to try and you know, crystallize some of these barriers. And sometimes, you know what, we have to recognize that status hierarchy is a thing. Um, that's key to negotiating better salary. That's how it works. Um, go ahead, Barry, you saying something? Yeah, look, um, you know, the, the commonality that still, you know, stretches across both of them is, is clearly that, uh, you know, still precarious nature and still uh, a clear and obvious lack of wraparound, um, let's say, benefits that you would enjoy back in the permanent space. So, you know, look, there's a very rudimentary approach to this. You know, you pay for your labor, uh, which goes across both of them, but all those other things that, you know, you enjoy by way of protection, that employment status and why it still gathers in 60% of the workforce in terms of as a choice, you know, is the protection or the perceived protection, you know, Mm -hmm. around those, you know, needs that we have on it. So, yeah, slightly hung up on the on the sort of slight divide, as Claire says, but, you know, I think there's a common theme across both. We need to fix that. You know, this is growing in both areas. It's growing uh, as we divide up labor, as we divide up work and, um, you know, countries, states and whatever need to follow and, and do something about this. So there's um, no, beyond maybe some mechanics, there's no logical reason why you can't have that protection as a fractional worker as well, though, is there, Barrett? You could be employed by multiple companies. You're not employed. No, but you can be. Uh, well, then you start to get into slightly different issues around, you know, I mean, if I'm employed, the, the issue goes away. I'm up for employment rights and I'm mm. up for employment benefits. For me, fractal is a service you provide in rather than a series of part-time jobs being employed by the employer. I suppose yeah, I think that's Leah's, got, yeah, Leah's got that dual kind of yeah. level right now with one employment yeah. contract and one limited company kind of piece. So yeah, there's I, no I, reason why you can't. Yeah. It, it I think again it depends on the company's preference. Again, my mm-hmm. circumstances are quite different because I was already with the company and yeah, that the the um the days have changed. So I think again it depends per company. Some might want to hire you on a payroll like we discussed before, but then there are certain things then that they're liable for. Some maybe are quite happy to kind of do it through a limited company way. So again I think it, it depends per company. Yeah. Okay, final, final question, folks, before we have to close the show. I am watching this and I'm thinking, you know what, I would love to be a fractional worker. Um, is there a place I go to find these jobs? Like, how does, uh, what, what's going on? Is there fractionalworker.com available? Is there, is, does any of this, like, uh, how, do I, how do I discover uh, the opportunity? Thoughts? I think you've just created um, a a great business idea, right? Like it doesn't exist. Someone out there create it. (laughs) I think there was um, there's quite a lot of like what I would call the flexible working kind of job boards and things like that out there. Um, There's a couple of people that I know that have been trying to find routes for senior mid managers, upwards execs to work in this way but I think the labels obviously still quite new I think there are a lot of what I would call part-time jobs mislabeled that could be and should be fractional um in in my opinion that are out there but it would be awesome to see much more of this available yes. up work guys up work there you go yeah 
they are in there. They're starting to emerge in there, Alan. Definitely yeah. is. And by the way, uh, as a final point, guys, um, some as Ishrara, I think on, on LinkedIn, it says something really interesting. Fractional CEOs are might also be called super temps. So apparently, there is a <laughs> a, a term already exists called super temps, uh, which is again an attempt to distinguish. Uh, I, I think there is a hierarchy of the, like the value of the person, skill of the person to the business. Uh, anybody who isn't full time, we've always like put maybe the the lowest uh, level type. Uh, uh, contributions uh, definitely not part of the strategy. Definitely not part of you know uh, a part of the, the 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 inside knowledge of how the business runs. Uh, this may be for at the senior level. Uh, you know nothing wrong, uh, Steve. I think you mentioned it right. It probably is for the leadership side, um, but it's a new thing that's happening, and maybe maybe that's a, a future, uh, a welcome future for a lot of people. So um, I think it's a positive thing that we have this. Um, it just gives people more options. And it gives companies more options as well, uh, because there's going to be times where a company isn't right, able or perhaps doesn't want to commit to someone who's full time uh, or not sort of uh, a, a, a traditional FTE, should I say, uh, potentially can get them in for a fraction of the time and still get huge value. Um, OK, there's some people there. Look, fractionaljobs.com registered 2019. Yeah, just nothing on. going on on the website. My goodness, this is a business opportunity for somebody, um, which is where we've got to end it, folks. I'm going to dive into GoDaddy and buy a bunch of domains um, <laughs> and start dominating this space. Okay, thanks to our guests. Uh, wonderful to see you, Leah. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Alan Walker, wonderful to see you. You're back with me next week. I think we're talking about something else, optimal uh, tech stack or something. Um, Barry Flat, wonderful to see you. We have to sort the cybernetics out at some point, um, but uh, we'll, we'll get you back on the show. Uh, great to see you, man. Likewise. Nice to see you, cool, too, cool, cool. Thank see you. you all. Lovely to see oh. you. Oh, I'm trying to delete everybody and keep Claire on. Um, sorry. That was great. I really enjoyed that. Um, I thought that was a fantastic conversation. Um, really, really interesting. And thanks, everyone, for commenting and, and getting involved in the yeah. thread as well. I think that was really con like a big contribution is just looking at what's, what's being talked about there and then that triggering off another uh, conversation for us. Uh, so, folks... We'll, we'll be back next week. Um, what are we talking about? I don't actually know. Uh, oh, we are talking about, I believe, tech hiring uh, review. So we're going to do a tech hiring landscape, and we're going to basically look back at it and say, mid-year, what does that look like? How does it look? So make sure you tune in for that. If you're hiring for tech or if you're a tech recruiter and you're wondering what's going on, we've got a load of people from different angles, recruitment agencies joining. We've got... Um, uh, people on platform bringing market intelligence. We've got uh, in-house recruiters, even got some tech people coming on as well. We're going to talk about, okay, what does it look like in 2003? What's the next six months looking like? So tech recruiters need to be signing up to that. Um, okay, we'll see you next week. Thanks for watching. See you all. Thank you very much. Cheers, Han. That was pretty good, Claire, wouldn't you say? I really love that. That's awesome. And actually really, yeah. really big food for thought for me as well. Like, I hadn't thought about it as, as cleanly. Um, in terms of the way that I'm working. Um, but yeah, I really love that. Brilliant people. I think the uh, like the conversation just helps crystallize. And, and um, you, you know, this was sparked yeah. actually by, by yeah. a long debate I had with a friend of mine, which is essentially the same chat we had where people were you know, disputing uh, the, the relevancy of it. And I think the key thing is that it doesn't have to be a completely clean categorical break, but it is significant enough for it to be a new label is, 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 is yeah. worth it, you know. The way I think about it and the way I look at it is that I've got sort of three levels of which I deliver in 
strategy first, which is C-suite, where are you going? What can I do to create something that is a roadmap? And that typically is marketing. And then what I'll do is I'll take that strategy and I'll work tactically with a team and or I'll deliver that operationally in managing Thrive or, or my marketing team that I have available to me. And I think so long as I'm in that senior management role and I'm doing it for a couple of days a month, then it becomes really easy to have that constant moving things forward. But I'm not needed to be every day. I certainly don't need to be in an organization four days a week, five days a week. Um, I just wouldn't consider that now as a as a way yeah. of life. Yeah. Just... You know what? I, I think a lot of people, there's a, there's, a, there's a life trajectory thing as well, I would say. So probably we, we didn't touch on that, but it probably well, wouldn't suit. Neurophysy people. They're neurophysy people who have got multiple yeah. capacity to spin plates and get very isolated in that very myopic view of being one one person in one organization yeah i think i think basically uh, if we kind of uh, develop it as a as a category or just open up more opportunity um it'll, it might even help with things like ai you know because let's say everyone's terrified of artificial intelligence we rightly rightfully concerned um yeah. but AI is not knocking out 100% of the job. It's knocking out 20%, 30%, 40% of the job. That leaves some percent left. And maybe it doesn't justify a full-time job, but perhaps it could be done fractionally. So, you know, there's something there. Anywho, listen, what are your plans this weekend, Claire? What's interesting? Um, nothing much. The child has gone off sailing, so it's a nice, chilled weekend at home. I love it. Uh, there's nothing more that I would enjoy than having a chill weekend. I've got to be busy though. I'm like partying this weekend all the time. It's crazy. Uh, I'm tired. I need, I need to go to bed. Um, I am absolutely exhausting. Still reveling in the flashbacks of, oh, I saw that person at Wreckfest. I mean, how brilliant was that? That was just such a brilliant event. It was yeah. great. It was great. Anyway, Claire, God love you and leave you. I'll Thank see you, you soon, okay? All right. Take care. Enjoy. Bye. Stop recording and broadcast.